BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. To get the Crime Writers on After Show right now, go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media. I'm Rebecca Lavoie, and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts. And on this episode, instead of investigating the men who sexually assaulted these women, the police arrested the victims when they didn't believe their stories. One journalist seeks to expose the injustice in the Netflix documentary, Victim Suspect. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, and host of These Are Their Stories podcast, my husband and love of my life, Kevin Flynn. Hey, Kevin. Hello, Rebecca. Also with us is private investigator, certified pet detective, resident cat lady, and author of the Piper Green series of cozy mysteries, Laura Bricker. Hey, Laura. Hey, Rebecca. I'm going to be walking to Georgia at the rate I'm going with the rage I feel at this show. I knew it. I called it. And finally. I'm Bill Rankin. (laughs) Welcome to Atlanta. (laughs) Do you need new shoes? Do you want to talk about that detective from Connecticut? (laughs) Fuck him. (laughs) I'm over here at the courthouse waiting for the grand jury. Why don't we get lunch? I know a great place. They have chicken and waffles. And we can go to my rumpus room afterwards. (laughs) The maple syrup isn't real, but it's still good. (laughs) Do you like butter on your waffles, Laura? Way to add some levity to this subject, Kevin. And finally, our resident doubting Thomas, the author of the City Trilogy of Novels, host of the Strange Arrivals podcast, Podcast and our Patreon Deep Dive Book Club podcast host, Toby Ball. Hey, Toby. Hello, Rebecca. All right. So, Kevin, this is obviously Thursday's program. It's obvious to us. What is happening on Monday's podcast? On Monday, we're going to be talking about the HBO movie uh, Reality. Oh. This is a sort of uh, genre-bending uh, movie looking at the investigation into Reality Winner, who uh, leaked uh, secrets, uh, national security secrets. Doesn't that star one of our favorite actors from one of Kevin, yours and my favorite shows? Uh, Jennifer Lawrence. White Lotus. Cindy Sweeney. Ah, yeah, Cindy Sweeney. Yes. And one of our favorite kids' favorite shows, Euphoria. She's in that as well. I'm That's looking it. forward to watching that one. All right. You, know, you guys got me thinking that I think I should do, uh, we should do a T-shirt. That says uh, Bill Rankin's Rumpus Room, but it would have Ooh. to be a list of oh. all the things that you could you'd find in Bill Rankin's oh. Bill, Ran- Ramp- uh, Bill Rankin's Rumpus Room on the back instead of like concert tour dates. Yeah, yeah. it'd be like ping pong table, uh, ping pong table. 
Uh, wood paneling. Wood paneling. St. Pauli girl poster. <laughs> Foosball. <laughs> John Coltrane on shellac. Bill Rankin's rumbers were with a tour, like, like, like the 19, like the. 1950 uh, to 1952. Shag carpet. Shag carpet. Whatever the tour dates are with like a, like a cool, like a cool, like uh, <laughs> graphic with like spray paint logo. Zenith 22 inch television. Or like, or like a Taylor Swift style, like tour, like logo. Yeah. And then in the back, instead of like the dates, it's just like the things. But it has to have a picture of Bill Rankin with like a ping pong table on it. Yeah, I'm going to get, <laughs> that's going to be my summer project. Bill His Rankin, actual home address yes. has that on there. The Bill Rankin Rumpus Z-mail. Room Whistle Stop Tour. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. It's amazing. It would be incredible. <laughs> Want to play nickel poker? <laughs> <laughs> I like pinochle. <laughs> the card deck is special. <laughs> Got so many queens you know of what? Uh, You know what? You shouldn't talk. You play that game with the little Peggy things. You mean cribbage? Yes. You're like very old fashioned in your gamery with your cribbage. I am. You mean classic. <laughs> well, if I played it on my phone, would that be better? Is there, be like is modern there a cribbage? phone cribbage game? Oh, fuck yeah. You want me to pull it up? <laughs> oh, can, God. You, can you play that on the Wii? He's not playing Best Fiends anymore. He's gone straight to phone cribbage. Cribbage Pro. Let's see. I want to start a new game here. Wii cribbage. All right. I'm going to cut. Ooh. Oh, I could pull the jack. Oh, no. That's my deal. Okay. Let's oh, see. Oh, good here. Lord. Now I'm going to. I'm ready. This is where you're doing on the toilet. You're playing cribbage. Oh, okay. So what am I going to discard? Well, I'm going to keep the five and, of course, the the jack and the queen. So I'll discard. uh, I'll get rid of the seven and the nine. Because you can't make a 15 with odd. You should just have your own podcast of people listening to you play computer cribbage. Yeah. All right. I can't do that. All right. Well, anyway, I'm going to be playing over here. I'm going to be pegging while you guys are. Talking about all right, uh, Kevin. We have actually a very serious documentary to talk about. Can't you tell I'm like stalling? You are stalling. Can we just like put the cribbage away and talk about this really right, intense you documentary? You got it. All right, let's just do that and let's go ahead and drop that first clip right now. Was there a point like with the investigation where you felt like the police just you knew they weren't believing you? And the detective told me he didn't hold you down. That's about rape. She filed the charges against me before my rape kit or anything else came in. Emma Mannion told police she was raped in a car by a fellow University of Alabama student. When investigators said her story wasn't credible, she reluctantly recanted her claim. That's when cops arrested and prosecuted her for filing a false report. Nikki pled guilty and went to prison. Emma also pled guilty. But when I spoke to them, they both maintained that the assaults did happen. I didn't lie to the police about anything. I didn't lie to the detective about anything. Journalist Rachel DeLeon discovered a nationwide pattern of law enforcement using deceptive interview techniques to break the victim's resolve, then turning the tables on them and accusing them of their own crimes. DeLeon traveled the country to explore the story of Emma and others like her who were treated less like victims and more like suspects. How can you tell me that I'm lying to you when there are no cameras pointing in that area and the only footage that they gave you is on the other side of the building? I feel so unbelievably lied to. Fuck! 
The Netflix documentary Victim Suspect follows De Leon as she exposes why women who sought justice for their assaults were wrongly arrested and imprisoned because police didn't believe them. It also recounts the case of several victims who've lived with the personal and public pain of false recantations. Spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about plot points from Victim Suspect. So if you want to remain spoiler free, go to the estimated time code in our show notes for our thumbs up or thumbs down reviews. Additional note, I am the host of Netflix's You Can't Make This Up podcast, and we did cover this documentary on that podcast. However, this has not affected my review today. Now, Toby Ball, one of the things I love about this documentary is that it shows the journalism behind this story, like the investigation, and even the pitch behind this investigation. Later on, Megan learns that they did pursue charges against her for theft, not for false reporting. And so she moves back home and tries to move on with her life and go to school. But uh, sadly, Megan ends up taking her own life. Um, Sorry. What did you think about the scenes here where Ray was trying to make the case to editors about doing this story? Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was interesting. Um, Part of it is just being a fly on the wall in those kinds of meetings, but then also seeing, you know, what people thought that she should do to kind of flesh it out and what she kind of felt like she needed to have with her in order to make a strong case. I guess I'm thinking mostly of the pitch meeting, but where they, she shows interrogation, I guess, footage to them, which is very sort of emotionally affecting and kind of very succinctly encapsulizes this, this issue that she's talking about. And, you know, they, they kind of talk about how, you know, being able to put it into context or being able to sort of describe, is this a widespread thing? Like, is this a phenomenon or is it just like something that's contained in, in this area? So, yeah, I thought those all, it's an interesting choice to make because we don't see that very often. But I do sort of feel, you know, this is this is sort of journalism with a cause, right? And I think this kind of helped without her having to come out and kind of talk about it. It allowed you to kind of see her kind of make that pitch to other people who have some kind of control or, or say whether it gets made and say, this is what this is all about in a more elegant way than just sort of talking about it in voiceover. Kevin, what did you think about the journalism aspect of this documentary? Yeah, it's great. You know, the behind the scenes stuff, as you say, uh, you know, so in that way, it's almost like reporting about reporting. So Ray, the reporter that we follow, I mean, we're seeing these things through her eyes and her efforts. I will say that, you know, and it's also this takes months and months to do, especially when they're doing things like suing to get documents and doing sort of the legwork and the less sexy stuff, you know, you're knocking on doors and not getting answers and that kind, that kind of thing. But to me, it is very refreshing to see someone be allowed to do an investigation without a boss counting the dollars or asking what the return on the investment is for spending months and months on what's going to be one big story, but not being asked to justify their time because of the nature of the work. So, Laura, one of the things that kept occurring to me when I was watching this is there's a ton of video of interview tape with these women and the cops, right? Mm -hmm. 
in these videos, we see the women going in to report their crimes and then we see subsequent interviews with them. And I am like watching these videos and I want to like yell at the TV like I do with all of the interrogation videos we watch and all of the documentaries we watch, like get a lawyer, get a lawyer, get a lawyer. But then I'm like, why would they have a lawyer? They're victims. They're not suspects. And I see cops using the read technique on victims. I'm going to tell you for about, from the investigation, you're not being honest with me, okay? Well, what I just told you? Yes. I do not believe you. I do not believe you at all. And I think you're one of those people that's taken away from my true victims. What do you think when you are watching the cops asking victims questions to prove their crime in a way that any other victim of any other crime would not be asked to prove, like a victim of a robbery, for instance, or a victim of a beating or a victim of a home invasion. Yeah, well, it made me wild watching this documentary because, you know, I have watched in my work over the years, many interrogation videos where interrogations were done correctly with either, you know, underage victims or adult victims where they were questioned in a very sensitive and compassionate and level way about what happened. This was, I, I like, I really couldn't even believe what I was seeing when I was watching this. So, you know, the read technique is something that at the time when it was used after like lie detectors, which we now know are not reliable, um, was seen as a way to like use psychology to better question people. And at the time, it seemed like a better method. Now, you know, there's a lot of research out there and a lot of feeling that this is actually producing a lot of false confessions, but it's also fucking manipulative in the way that we build you up, we take you down. Now we're going to move our chair closer to you. We're going to confront you. And it's getting people in this situation to now recant. So they're being charged with false reporting. And my takeaway watching these interrogation videos, I just, what the fuck is wrong out there that we would think immediately that somebody is coming in making a legitimate report like this and that it is not true. Like, why would these police officers right off the bat switch into interrogation mode when, like, somebody comes in to report a crime? And I guess my takeaway, and I think I think Toby had kind of the same takeaway, was like, Unfortunately, what this is exposing for me anyway, and just my observation is a real culture of misogyny in law enforcement that is really not a good look. And I really hope something happens because watching this, this was so well done in terms of bringing out this issue. It is fucking maddening to see something like this happen. Is it a culture of misogyny in law enforcement or just a culture of misogyny? I mean, Kevin, you have a really good point about like the take of men yeah. versus take of women when it comes to sexual assault, right? Yeah. I mean, for a woman, some of the hazards of a casual relationship become things like the threat of violence, uh, rape, murder, pregnancy, loss of uh, reputation and things like this for a man the only hazard seems to be 
being falsely accused of rape and the unlikely accusation at that. It seems to be the only thing men have to fear. Right. And so maybe that's the thing that informs these detectives that they're like, oh, well, you know, we know what happens to the bad guys when they get uh, they get caught. And it'd be horrible to see this innocent guy with all of his life ahead of him and his dad's money to get through that ringer. I wouldn't like that because that's probably what happened. And I mean, how else can you explain that somebody who spends all their day taking reports from victims and then going after perpetrators says, well, in this case, uh, I don't believe that. I, I believe that you're just fucking with me. It's just so it's enraging. And I, I know I, I, I certainly know for victims that this has got to be beyond the pale. Uh, and that's not my lived experience, but I'm definitely feeling you. You have every right to be insane about it. So the whole thing for me is that the the reflex of getting people to recant and like refute like the veracity of their allegations. I mean, it's reflexive, like let's poke a hole in it. If there's one hole in it, it must not be true. But then the reflexive thing to immediately post on social media, the recantation, it is the same thing cops do, by the way, when they arrest somebody and they put their mug shot on social media before even the charges have been sometimes like. Before they go to court. Yeah, yeah, before they've even been arraigned sometimes or before they've even been like formally charged. They'll put like the photo, the, you know, the mug, you know, the the booking photo on social media, and like ruin their lives. Right. The fact that they put the photos and the and they say, you know, Student lied about rape, and that gets picked up by the news. Scarlet L. But there's so many layers of problems here. There's the cop problem. There's also a fucking media problem. Thank goodness there are now, there's some journalism that's now not doing this. But the reflexive, um, like, situation where, like, TV news will just repeat, like, a cop press release like, that's what happened to Emma, right? Emma, by the way, lives in New Hampshire. She's a New Hampshire resident. She lives here now. I mean, this is where she's from. She lives here. And, like, her life has been ruined. Her life was ruined first because of the rape, second because of the charges, third because of the court proceedings. But I think almost, like, the most because, like, this news story went out saying she fucking lied about a fucking rape. Like the hell with that. Well, and and the thing that I want to say about that, that was one of the things, Rebecca, that made me even, I mean, there was so much about this show that made me wild. But here's the thing. In this current day and age where the media is getting smaller and smaller through budget cuts and downsizing, it's not that journalists don't want to follow up on stories. They don't have the time so a story like this comes in as a press release, they're just going to plop it on their website and not do it. I mean, for the most part, they're not going to follow up on it. Yeah, especially and these so, days, you're right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I do a lot of side PR work and it's so easy. I tell people all the time to get press releases and things placed in media because the media is so understaffed that they're just happy to have something to put in that they didn't have to pay for. So. In this case, not only are you publicly shaming these victims by putting their information out there, they're going to have to go through a lot to get that information corrected and put down. Like, you know how that is. Like somebody gets arrested 
and then they're proven not, they, they found not guilty or cases dropped or whatever. A lot of times that information doesn't then get out there. And if you go search somebody, the first thing you're going to see is the hit of, hey, they're guilty yeah. or, oh, hey, they got arrested for this. So um, I, I think it just sounds a, a horrible precedent. And like, you know, why would you even bother reporting yeah. if this is what's how you're going to be treated? It just seems like editorially, you know, you should have the judgment to realize that th- this is not an outcome that happens very often. Like mm-hmm. that's just, it, it seems like just out of, out of an abundance of caution, you wouldn't put something like that up just because, I mean, I, I don't know what the prevalence of like actual fake rape allegations are, I think but it's got to be 1%. vanishingly yeah. small. I yeah. mean, it's just got to be like, just like almost nothing. At some point, you're not just going to print anything in your newspaper or put anything on your TV station. And this seems like one of those instances where a little bit of thought, and you'd be like, well, just on the off chance that they fucked this up, which in fact seems like an almost definite that you just sit on it. I'm sure they didn't put up the accused rapist picture as soon as nope. they heard about it. They don't even ask the accused rapist difficult questions, as we see in the video. Or any questions in some cases. any questions, which we will get to. But Kevin, before we do, there's no graceful way to do this. Are you going to make me? No. You're going to make me? No. Let's just do it because there's no graceful way. We have to talk about the business really quick since we can't do like a funny or fun transition. Can we just do the business section real quick, Kevin? Let's do it. All right. I'll stop playing cribbage on my phone. Thank you. So we can get to it. Yeah, right now, if you join us at patreon.com slash partners in crime media, you get all sorts of great stuff like the Crime Writers on After Show. If you tuned in on Monday, you would have heard that uh, we talked about, well, first of all, follow up for my horrible, horrible week of uh, umpiring baseball where a horrible, disgusting thing happened. Had a follow up, had a much better week. And we also wanted to hear, we also heard from Laura who uh, bought the most interesting item for her upcoming camping trip. and uh, Has been practicing? And has been practicing <laughs> with it. Okay, we're just going to leave we it there. We need a personal, extra personal story from one of Toby's like situations at some point. You guys what? have been getting way too personal in the after show, and Toby's been offering up nothing. Toby's just been going along for the ride. Yeah. I've, got, I've, got a funny, uh, I've got a funny story related... All right. Tolara's story. Great. It right. doesn't really involve me. but We are digging into that. <laughs> it's personal about somebody else. That's, that's <laughs> just the way I personal. like it. That's the first step, <laughs> <Yeah>. Toby. <laughs> We've got other great podcasts, including Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club podcast. Right now, you can listen to Toby's discussion of the book Motor Spirit uh, with his special guests, Rebecca Lavoy, Janet Varney, and Jillian Pantavale from True Crime Obsessed. And right now, he's telling everybody to start checking out from the library Rogues by Patrick Radden Keith. Uh, someone who also did Winds of Change, one of Toby's all-time favorite podcasts. Great podcast. We also have a Married with Podcast, and if you join us at the Let's Do What We Do level, you can get all episodes of Crime Writers on ad-free and early. Get it in your feeds right now. Also, uh, in elsewhere in Crime Writers on World, Partners in Crime Media, we have the latest episode of These Are Their Stories is out. Our special guest is Katie from the Date with Dateline podcast. Yay. We're talking about an episode of Criminal Intent. This is the one based on the story where the female astronaut wore the diaper to <gasps> nice. drive across oh, the country hell yeah. to kill her rival. She had her car in Annapolis. She would have driven three hours to New York been here Thursday, like Edie said. 
and driven down to Annapolis in time to be back here on Friday. And if she paid tolls by cash, no one would be able to place her here. I mean, why haven't we had Toby on one of these episodes to talk about one of these incredible I remember stories? when that happened, man. Back That's in the 90s. That's one of my favorite all-time true crime stories. Yeah, and wait till You we- know why? Because no one actually died and there was an adult diaper involved. <laughs> <laughs> and astronauts! Yeah, but you have to listen to the rip from the headlines to get the real story on that. So anyway, join us right now, patreon.com slash partisan crime media. Also get our newsletter. It comes out today. Go to crimewriterson.com. Give us your email. We'll send you that weekly newsletter. It has all sorts of things like crime writers on behind the scenes, photos of pet of the week, tweet of the week, new merch, and also mentioning our patron saints. All right. So Kevin, uh, do we have, by the way, speaking of any Patreon patron saints of the week this week? Our Patreon patron saints are Megan McBean and Petra Delberta. Bless you. Bless you guys. Thank you guys for supporting us on Patreon. Thanks to everyone who doesn't also and just muscling through the business section. We appreciate all of you. And I think we should get back to the show now. Kevin, should I fade that music out right now? Fade it out. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. All right. So there's a character in this uh, documentary that we need to talk about. A person, a real life person, not a character, even though he is quite a character. And that is maybe one of the worst people I have encountered in a documentary in a long time. Uh, That is a Connecticut detective named Detective Cotto. Toby Ray interviews Detective Cotto and, um, you know, she's glad to get the interview and she's grateful to have gotten the interview. I interviewed her about getting this interview and she says she's always happy to get a source to talk to her. But Detective Cotto is very, very proud of his interrogation techniques and what he calls a ruse um, to get a victim um, to admit that they aren't really a victim. And he's using... The read technique, a technique that we know reliably elicits false confessions uh, in order to get this rape victim to recant their allegation of rape. What did you think of this scene of this interview with Detective Cotto in this documentary? 
You know, I think it's interesting when there's an interview with somebody who is just so unself-aware that what they're doing is problematic. <laughs> like he, he talks very confidently. Like he says, you know, my investigation is fact-based, no opinion. But the reality is, is that what he has done is he has orchestrated an outcome that, you know, whether consciously or subconsciously that he was trying to get to. Like that should not be a reflexive thing is if you come in to report a crime, the reflexive attitude should not be, oh, maybe it's actually you who committed the crime. I am. I'm breaking down psychological barriers to the point where, you know, and you can use ruse, a ruse. You know, I give what you is a, that? a ruse is a tool that allows the aids law enforcement to get to the truth. Okay. So it, it's actually not being truthful to them. Oh, it's saying like a, what? Saying a lie. You actually see tape of him doing the questioning. He he actually touches this woman. Yep. Who is reporting a, a sexual assault? He doesn't end up talking, interviewing either of the people who are accused of you the know assault why? because Toby? he he asked them to and they to. didn't want to. Mm-hmm. And you know what can you do? Isn't that considerate? He didn't even time? bother. He didn't mm-hmm. bother talking to like the university to see if they had any like prior complaints or disciplinary actions for these kinds of actions. Like he basically did nothing. She came in, he lied to her about stuff they had. She under pressure ended up sort of agreeing with him. And then he charged her with filing a false report. And that was like the beginning to end. And he, I believe genuinely doesn't see any problem with that. And if he did, he wouldn't have done this interview and he seems extremely, extremely confident in his position, uh, at least the way it was shown in in this. And I think it's, you know, it's uh, it's horrifying, but I think it probably also is like kind of casts light on the fact that this isn't something that they're ashamed of. They think it's something that's part of their job, right? right. And um, and that is in some ways more troubling than if it was like a conspicuous bad actor. I agree. I mean, this goes right along with the thing that I say all the time, which is like, you know, if a cop is systemically putting guys away because of the way he was trained, like read and read technique or otherwise, but he's a super nice guy and he's just waking up in the morning and just using his training and making a bunch of mistakes because of that training. But he's a great uncle and a great dad or whatever. He's still a bad fucking guy. But this guy, Kato, seems to be so unself-aware and not interested in even asking questions about what he's doing or being thoughtful about what he's doing. Laura, what did you think about Kato? Well, it's, it's like Toby gave such a well-thought-out, thoughtful, and uh, reasonable assessment of him. I just felt Here raged. comes the bad one. Do it. <laughs> Let her rip. No, I just felt rage when I watched this guy. He was just so condescending and pompous. And I mean, that goes with what Toby was saying. Like, he's right. And he's got his little glasses on. So he looks all smarty smart. And he's like talking about everything that he did that he believes was totally by the book and that he's done nothing wrong. But I think that was what made me so wild when I was watching it was this just absolute 
feeling that he was right, that he had done nothing wrong, that yes, in fact, these rapes were misreported and that's it. And he's not going to take a look at it and he's not going to listen. And I loved when she like showed him the piece of paper and, and he's like, yeah, where'd you get that? The police, like, did you know that these, like, she's like, you know, these uh, guys had previously been investigated for another sexual assault. Oh, no, no, no. Like, and, and he just dismissed it. And and like, oh, where did you? And I'm like, oh, let me my, check my I, files in my filing <laughs> cabinet. Yeah, let me get my glasses on again and look at it. Let me burn some time. Um, so it was just, it was, it was hard. It's It's always really triggering for me anyway, to watch somebody like this that is working in the criminal justice field and is clearly doing things that are inappropriate and not really getting the accurate result in cases that, you know, is in this in this case, not for nothing, but it's kind of right in front of him. This girl was raped. And it's it's really frustrating because, yes, to some degree, you have to be confident in your job and you have to like be confident in your training and follow your training. But in this case, this guy using the read technique on sexual assault victims was one of the worst things I'd seen in a video in terms of just making me sick watching it. Yeah, I think there was a deliciousness to the fact that Kato talks about using a ruse to get somebody to talk to him when he probably doesn't realize he just stepped into a ruse where he thinks he's going to be talking about one thing and is really just verifying something else. Um, you know, the read technique, three cheers for this. It was just, I've always said that the read technique is like a tuna net. You're going to catch a lot of tuna, but you're also going to catch a lot of dolphins too, right? So if you did it, Read technique will probably get you to come up with a confession. But if you didn't do it, you're also going to wear you down long enough. You're going to say something. And But one of the newest things here, and I completely understand it, is when they bring up the idea that there's video, especially when there isn't. Because kind of like with DNA, you feel like that is an impartial, empirical piece of evidence. And so they say, yeah, the video shows that you did this. That's sort of like the door slamming. Right. They're not going to believe me anymore. Say, and, show me the video. Right. You you just assume. You either think, well, maybe I'm maybe I'm actually wrong about this. The thing this, you should say is, show me the video. You should say, show me the video. And a lot of times, there is, we found out there isn't even any fucking video. They're just saying that. Um, because I would say that, like, if I got into an argument with my neighbor about their dog shitting on my lawn, and they say, do we have video that it didn't happen? I'd probably eventually say... Oh, yeah, I guess it didn't happen. And so good on Ray for, like, identifying that's the turning point. It's then when they realize, okay, in this situation, the cops don't believe me. I'm just going to walk away. And apparently the only way I can walk away now is tell them that it didn't happen. And they didn't realize that they've just fallen through a hole of the trap door. So this doesn't come up in the thing. I was just trying to figure out how's the Miranda warning come into something where you're talking oh. to somebody so they're a victim and then you're talking them into a confession. Right. And then suddenly you want to use this confession in court. How does that work legally? Do you know? It's very fucking interesting. You should ask that. I was thinking about that the entire time. And I actually wanted like to bring like Colin Miller into this mm -hmm. because I don't think you're protected by Miranda 
so there's this whole thing with Miranda that, so we did an episode of Civics 101 on this. If you're having a conversation in front of the cops and you haven't been Mirandized, like that's kind of fair game if you are not a suspect at that point. If you have been Mirandized, but you're still having like certain kinds of conversations, that's still fucking fair game. Miranda is much looser than people think that it is. I think all those conversations are fair game. Really? You don't think a, not- a good lawyer could suppress that and be like, look, he didn't no. say I, that I was a suspect. But if you watch the questioning, mm-hmm. he's definitely treating me like a suspect. Yeah, I think Toby's right. I think you can make an argument once they believe that she was a suspect. You can make an argument, but, but they can make an argument they didn't believe that at the time. But they also can do the thing where they come in and say, OK, thanks for coming in. Uh, to tell us more about the crime committed against you, by the way, uh, just you know, just some you know, some some paperwork some here, follow just, up just, for consistency. Yeah, just you know, by the way, you just need to you know, it's nothing, nothing. But you know, we read you your rights, we read everybody their rights. And just so you know, you can have a lawyer here if you wanted, but you know, eh, eh, okay, let me lay this trap that you know, so that right. we can we can get you later. So. Yeah. But I, but you're, but Miranda the, certainly the is spirit not the, of that is you're absolutely 100. But Miranda right. is not the ironclad shit that people think it is. No. It just isn't. There's this thing that cops do where after they Mirandize you, they have a casual conversation in front of you, and then if you respond to that conversation, like that doesn't matter. Like you can. They're not asking you a question, right? Yeah. They right. can they can do things without asking you a question. That if you say anything, it's, it's it's really something. Like that's a really good question, and I I actually was wondering what we didn't see on the tape as a result of that, and that was something that I was thinking about too. Um, there was something that I was thinking about in this and I, and I, I don't want to take anything away from Carl Hirschman, the former detective who was obviously on the right side of this, but it was incredibly sad to me. And I don't know if any of you felt this way too, that this is a person who had to have gone through personal trauma related to sexual assault to be on the right side of this. Like he's this incredible former detective who's like, no, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. And they're like, why do you care so much? And he's like, because my sister was sexually assaulted. Well, be fair, you don't know that he wouldn't have gone into law enforcement and done the right thing if that didn't happen. I don't. But it motivates him in a different But I way. also wish that a, a, a man didn't have to have gone through that to care so much. Like, I, I always feel like that's it always has to be that. And it really bums me out in a way. Cops came out, did nothing. And... My sister to struggle for the rest of her life, and I I know it came from that. So, I I look at my victims and I see I see her. That's why. Well, I kind of felt like it wasn't so much that it gave him that moral outlook, but it's like, why did you dedicate your life to this particular thing? It's like, well, it happened to my sister. I don't want it to happen to anybody else, but it is. I mean, it's similar to like somebody will see something that's like, well, I've got a daughter and I would surely hate to have her to, you know, go through that. It's like, dude, can you like think a little bit beyond like your immediate orbit into sort of like a greater, how about just being a good sort of the way we deal with people? (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, he was a good guy. I don't take anything away from his being a good guy, but that definitely was like a moment for me where I was like, I would have loved it if he was just like, because it was the right fucking thing to do. Right. Wasn't right. it troubling how easily he could demonstrate to get somebody to recant? I mean, it's just from doing it. He, yeah, this is this is how a cop can do it, and it was just 
Like it just rolled right off the tongue. You don't think I can, an 18 year old can come up and I can talk her out of coming forward? Oh, I can. Uh, oh yeah, Kathy. Yeah, yeah, I read your case. Yeah, sorry this happened to you. Hey, look, um, I'm gonna tell you right now because you were making out with this guy or his friend before. Uh, that's not gonna look good. So in the DA, you know, they're gonna frown upon that you were drinking underage. Okay, thanks. Click, bang, sign it off, hand it in. And you're right. You're like, oh my gosh, if I were in that situation, he's completely right. I would just, I would just say no and go away and then, and then realize that I'm in trouble. But, you know, the other thing I was thinking about while I was watching this was the book Homicide, Life on the Streets by David Simon. Yeah. Which kind of celebrates, it, it certainly doesn't have anything to do with women in sexual assault and, and this exact example, but there, it, it is talking a lot about police manipulation of suspects in a way that at the time he was writing it, I think was seen as a look how clever cops are. Look how savvy cops are. Look how they can work sort of the gray areas to, to do things. And now it just feels very, very different. And, and, and again, I, I think just remove this specific circumstance because I don't think anybody like, I do not want to like imply that David Simon would have any sympathy for what was going on here. But just this idea of police manipulating people in ways that aren't necessarily about getting to the truth, but are getting to them to admit to something or to go along with something that's not in their best interest. I don't know. That, that was the other thing I was thinking about while I was watching. Toby, this. I think the first line of that, the first sentence of that uh, chapter was him saying, I don't know why anyone would ever talk to the police. Yes. And then he yeah. talks about this whole long, you know, interrogation. Yeah. And it's the same thing that he points out. And this happens is eventually you just like all of a sudden, if you think you see a light, a way to get out of it and you're like, oh, yeah, well, uh, I was there, but I didn't do it like that kind of thing. Yeah. That's just how they're just reeling you in. And again, it's just like these victims are like. Fine. Fuck you guys. You don't believe me. I want to leave. And this is how I'm going to say it. Didn't happen. Right. So now that you can't do anything and now they just don't realize and why. Why are they charging them with this? Can we why? Can, these, why don't they just like dismiss it? Can we go back to the women for a second? Please. So, so Laura. Um, so we have Emma, obviously. We have um, Diane, who was the one who wanted to go into law enforcement and her whole career was derailed after she was raped by somebody who pretended to be a cop. We have the woman who died by suicide after the cops brought in the good old boy who, uh, you know, just pretended like they were having a good time. Um, when you sort of like land on in this documentary, the consequences of what's happened to these women after these situations and look at what's happened to these men after these situations, like how is it that you can... I'm just going to like be honest with you and like his, like ask you a question that sort of reflects how I feel. How do you just like go on and, and like, and just like feel good about just like how things are. And I know that's a stupid fucking question. When you watch this documentary like this. Yeah. Isn't it just like, doesn't it just like embed a feeling of hopelessness 
Like honestly, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, no this this was awful. This this was awful. It was good I, though. I mean, I don't want to take away from it being good. It's very fucking good. It was good, but like I went down the rabbit hole. I started reading articles, you know, about this case. I looked up Dr. Lisa, who was the expert witness who rebelled and now is um, really a legal advocate for the women or you know victims that are then charged as they were in this case. Yeah, it's it's really hard. I mean, I was just, I was looking at this. I was like, this is so discouraging. Um, it, it really is, Rebecca. But I think what I'm taking is like, okay, you know what? We're in an era where there is so much attention on the criminal justice system and where it's broken. And I feel like this particular issue, I, this is what I'm hoping anyway, it's brought out now in such a way that I feel like women that were raped being, you know, then accused of false reporting is something that people can really latch on to. Like people, I feel like it gets my justice hackles up, but I feel like the general public, if they watch this, would also feel that way. So I hope that, you know, it is, it is easy, I think, in this case, especially after watching this, to feel like, man, it fucking sucks. Like nothing's going to change. But at the same time, it's so rage inducing that I just can't hope but think that this particular documentary is going to lead to some emphasis and some focus and some sh- shining a spotlight on this issue that will make some change. Because that one girl, I can't remember which one it was, who is still not able to get this overturned. That one really, really freaking pissed me off. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Off. All right, let's do what we do. Let's let our listeners know, should they check out Victim Suspect on Netflix? Laura Bricker, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for Victim Suspect? Yeah, this is a big thumbs up. I've already told multiple people about this. You know, I think this was done in a way that showed really tremendous journalism. It brought to light cases that you could really you know, understand the impact that this particular practice was having on people um, that were being wrongfully arrested as false reporting. And it also gave that zoom out that we've talked about ever since Serial of how big an issue this is. 
you know, they, they looked at 160 cases that were identified over four years of reporting in this. And then at the end, you know, the takeaway is, you know, there was 460,000 sexual assaults on average per year. 30% are reported. Only 1% of those are prosecuted. So this is a big issue. And um, I think it's worth watching. It's an hour and a half, but it is something that is going to stay with you long after that. So big thumbs up. Toby Ball. Yeah, I'm a big thumbs up too. She makes a, a very surgical case as to what's going on, uh, shows examples of it, talks to a policeman who doesn't see anything wrong with what he's doing, talks to lots of victims. I mean, it just it just makes this this very compelling, disheartening case about um, this practice of charging women who report sexual assaults for uh, for false reporting. I, I, I basically agree with almost everything Laura said. I, the reporting is really strong. The writing's strong. They, uh, you know, even if you get sort of beyond the issue that they're covering, some of the choices they make in the documentary, showing pitch meetings, showing talking to the reporter's editor, things like that. It's just it's just really strong storytelling from a bunch of different vantage points to give this picture of this sort of appalling misogynistic practice. And and I agree. I mean, it's one of those things that'll stick with you afterwards. Kevin Flynn. I'm a big thumbs up on this. This is one of those documentaries which its strength is greater than it's production. It's production values are great. There's a story within the story. The people that we meet are vivid and have very interesting stories to tell. But beyond that, the conversation, and we've seen it here. And when you start talking to your friends about this, what's going to happen is it'll be the same. You're going to talk a lot more about the topic that this brings up. And something new that has been illuminated for us when we talk about criminal justice. We're going to be talking more about this area of reform and malpractice long after the names of the people that are in this particular story have faded from our minds. This is something that is monumental, I think, in the public's understanding of the way these crimes are committed. And the next time that I see a story about so-and-so arrested for falsely reporting rape, I'm going to be really fucking suspicious of that. This is a story that will stay with us, I hope, and hopefully it will get into the minds of the people in law enforcement who are dedicating their lives to helping victims of sexual assault and not prosecuting them. So hopefully we get everybody on the right page and we can move forward on this. However, I don't think it's going to be overnight. I think we need to start persuading people who are in a position to do something about this, that they need to do something about it. Big thumbs up. Yeah. Big thumbs up for me for this too. I only have one lingering question that I don't think this filmmaker was in a position to explore. Because I think this filmmaker was doing the investigation like a ride along with Ray. But there's a question about journalism that's lingering here for me. Um, two questions, actually. One is at one point, Ray says, like, I can't take a side here. And I'm like, why? Why can't you take a side here? Like, why? Like, literally. And that is a question in journalism right now, right? Like the quote, objectivity, non-bias question. I'm like, 
are you saying that like you have to be neutral in the story? This is a story where you don't have to be neutral, right? But I think that Ray felt some pressure to sort of, or the filmmakers, or some for some reason there was this pressure to put this like non-biased journalism stance in here. And that's an interesting question to explore in a story like this. Second, this question that I would like to explore is the Center for Investigative Reporting's bar for telling this story was like, this, how widespread is this for it to hit our bar of it being important enough to tell the story? And this is a story that, by the way, our own newsroom grapples with all the time. Is like, what larger story does this tell? How big enough is it? And I'm like, isn't it big enough that it happened to one person or two people or three people? And there's an interesting journalism question right there that I think um, a documentarian who wasn't doing like a ride along with Ray as explicitly maybe could have asked a question about. That is not this documentary's purpose. And that's just my own personal reactions to it. That being said, that takes away in no way from the greatness of this documentary. They're just questions that I have about it and that I've been thinking about since watching it. Victim Suspect is a great documentary. You should watch it. I've been talking about it a lot, just like Laura with people. I've been telling all my journalism friends to watch it and all other people to watch it. And yeah, it's rage inducing, but it's also really, really good. Definitely watch it. Check it out on Netflix. Big thumbs up for me. That's going to do it for us. But before we go, Laura Bricker. Do we have a cat of the week this week? We have a cat of the week this week, and you're going to have to bear with me because it's a little long, but it is a crazy, very interesting story with our cat of the week. It comes to us from Petria Delberta, and I hope I said her name correctly. I apologize. Yeah, she's and our Patreon cat- patron saint of the week. Wait, wait, what? She's Did our- I say it correctly? Yeah, she's our patron saint of the week. <laughs> is it this from this week? <laughs> yeah. From about 20 minutes ago when we announced it. Oh, that's right. Okay. Well, anyway, so Petria's cat, Boots, has a crazy story. So last winter, the family decided their kitty, Nico, didn't like people, needed another cat friend. They agreed they were going to be one of the amazing family that goes to the animal shelter and adopts the ugliest, oldest, grumpiest cat that no one else wants. They were feeling pretty freaking righteous as they walked into the Humane Society. And then something different happened. There was a litter of four kittens in a small mammal cage by the front door. The litter had been named after marine animals, and she can't really remember, but the kitten named Sea Urchin was hanging spread eagle on the cage, screaming Mm. for attention. He was adorable. She had one of those lightning moments. She knew this was her soulmate cat, and she had to have him. So as her family went into the room, like the cat pavilion, to hang out with the other cats, she stayed out there and couldn't get away from the kitten. Pretty soon, the family was like, what the fuck, mom? I thought we were getting an ugly cat, not a kitten. To their credit, my family wholeheartedly believed in our mission. As I dangled a six-week-old, completely irresistible kitten in their faces, they held fast to the idea we were going to save a cat. No one else would. At that moment, I knew they were better people, but my heart and gut didn't care. I was obsessed. So she wins. They get sea urchin. They name him Boots. He turns out to be an amazing cat. They love him. But something is niggling, that something isn't right with Boots. And one day she comes home and his belly is completely swollen. She had just started a new job, so her boyfriend takes him to the vet. So the diagnosis is not good. Well, it's FIP. Now, apparently FIP is something of which most cats have a 0% survival rate. There is no drug to treat it, unless 
dot, dot, dot. Here's where the story gets fun. The vet mentioned on the down low under her breath, there is a Facebook group of people who import a drug from China that is known to cure FIP. It's not legal. So I can't admit I told you about it, but dot, dot, dot. So they went and basically ended up in this group, FIP Warriors, a woman in Syracuse told us she would leave the super secret drug in a cooler in her driveway for us to pick up. If we wanted him to have a chance, we had to go get it now. She ivermectined her cat? Now, I don't know. So they went she bleached four hours. Water in her cat. They they drove to Syracuse. The 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 Toby Ball. Yeah, you should always uh, drive to Syracuse if you get a chance. Yeah, save your cat. Um, to get the treatment, and they it was painful, as expensive. They were administering this medication. All of a sudden, Boots' health began to turn around. Anyway, a year later, he is declared cured because That's of this under the radar drug they got from the. Facebook because they gave him bleach water. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he looks really cute. So that was a really long story, but I had to share the whole thing because it was the craziest thing. I'm like, what? Well, at least the kids got their defective cat that they wanted. I thought the cat was pregnant. I thought that's why the belly was swollen. A no, six-week-old no, cat? You thought they came pregnant? Oh, six Jeez. No, it was defective. It wow. was a defective cat. So there you go. That's the story. All right. Well, Laura Bricker, if folks want to reach out to you with their uh, freaky cat stories or any <laughs> kind of animal stories to submit their cats of the week, it literally could be any kind of animal. How can they find yeah. you on social media? They can find me at Laura Bricker. And of course, you can also email us at crimewriterson at gmail.com. That's how we get most of our submissions. Toby Ball, folks want to reach out to you and find out why Syracuse is so wonderful. How can they find you on social media? Uh, at Toby Ball NH. Kevin Flynn, how can you be found? I'm at Kevin P. Flynn. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or anywhere else, you can find me at Reb Lavoy. Follow the show at Crime Writers On. Please join our incredible Facebook group. Just go to Facebook, look for us, and join the group. We'll probably let you in. Get episodes early and ad-free at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. You get the Crime Writers On After Show right now. Married with Podcast, Laura Bricker's Leave It to Bricker Podcast, and Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club Podcasts. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ty Gibbons. Our line editor is the wonderful Livy Burdett. The executive producer of this program is also the wonderful Kevin Flynn. This show was recorded in the Treehouse Yoga Studio above the Mockingbird Cafe in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi Studio, otherwise known as Studio C, The Closet, in our New Hampshire basement, where we are also uncomfortable showing up unannounced at people's doors. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later. Later. I think mer people are basically furries who can swim. Scalies? <laughs> Scalies, That's what I yes. Call them. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.